0: Howdy, you beautiful gamers. It's me, Layton, here on about the 12th take of recording this bumper, a thing that I am oh so good at. It's another episode of Late Night with Brian Wecht. And this time, we have a gimmick. It's a book club. It's a bad book club. Brian and I read Dan Brown's incredible 2000 classic, Angels and Demons. And we're here to just absolutely wreck Dan Brown's entire career. And he shall sleep unaware on his mountains and mountains of money. But we had a good time and we hope that you enjoy it because we really suffered for this one. On the note of suffering, that's not a good pitch. On the note of the opposite of suffering, you should join us over at patreon.com slash night. Spelled like it is in the title of the show, it's the, it's the same. Uh, you can join us over there for as low as $2 a month. You get access to... Four years of video episodes. At higher tiers, you get weekly minisodes, which is just like a regular episode with me and Brian. But mini, we play video games. We do the New York Times crossword. Basically, anything that doesn't go on the made feed goes here, including a bunch of movie and TV commentary tracks, many of which are with our good friend Jory Griffiths. And you also get access to our fan discord which is a super positive, fun place for a bunch of nerds like you to make new friends. Anyway, patreon.com slash and Night. Once again, I am and Gray, and I am oh so very good at recording bumpers. Uh, this is going to be a two-parter. So you get part one of The Angels and Demons, and then I think week after next, you get part two. So Strap in for a riveting uh, 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 treasure hunt through the streets of Rome as smoldering Robert Langdon and his sidekick, Vittoria Vetra, um, spread misinformation. All right, here's the theme song.
1: Insane. Much like the collision of matter and antimatter, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we cannot beat around the bush any longer. No, we can't. I don't know where
0: to begin. <laughs> maybe well,
1: we maybe we started how this whole thing started. Let's introduce the show so we don't have to worry about it, everybody. Yeah, this is okay. Late Night with Brian Weck. My name is Brian Weck. Over here, we have Leighton Gray. Layton Gray, renowned. Game developer
0: with yes, piercing blue eyes. Who yes. uh, I can't even. I can't even do this. And a bit. slender frame. Ah, uh, yes, my lithe, uh, exercised, glistening, sultry almond scented smoldering. smoldering.
1: Yeah, smoldering. Everything's and smoldering.
0: Doctor Brian Wecht with
1: his piercing blue eyes and blue yes. jeans <laughs> and blue jeans. My cool blue jeans, lady. I'm kind of a a cool professor who. You know, I, I used to be uh, an Olympic swimmer. Uh, oh, they called did me people the manatee. call you the dolphin? <laughs> no, the manatee because uh, because of my grace. So today we're talking. This is a first for the show. It's basically a book club. We're talking about the two thousand burning club. Yeah, uh, I like that because we are going to annihilate this piece of shit. <laughs> um, the two thousand book uh, by Dan Brown called Angels and Demons.
0: Are you holding your copy?
1: <laughs> right here.
0: Give, give us. I like ran the, out oh Post- my God. I ran out
1: of post-it, so I started dog earing. I don't dog ear <laughs> books. I hate this book so much that so I started dog earing pages. It's what it deserves. I ate up an entire thing of post-its. Uh, I literally finished this at eight fourteen tonight. That's w- another <laughs> reason I needed extra time. Uh, and at the last sentence, I audibly screamed. <laughs> So Well, anyway, you know, yeah.
0: not to spoil too much, but there are many great endings to books in literature. For example, and he loved Big Brother, or mm-hmm. he is dancing, dancing. He says he will never die. Or, <laughs> well,
1: then you've never been to bed with a yoga master. <laughs> oh my God, fucking God. Hey, have you ever seen the one? It was a, <laughs> a, 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 a post, I can't remember if it was Twitter, Instagram, whatever, from a while back about the last page of Frankenstein. No. So it's the last page of Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus. I thought that was Oppenheimer. At, well, right. Yes, of course. At the very end, I can't remember exactly the, the exact phrasing, but someone h- wrote in by hand, like after, after the final line, it said, also, by the way, you can just call me Frankenstein, not Frankenstein's <laughs> monster. I'll know what you mean. Said Frankenstein as he rode off into the distance, you know. Sailed off in the distance, whatever. Yeah, I thought it was really great. Uh, So, yeah, why are we talking about this fucking travesty of (laughs) of literature?
0: And I'm not even sure if I have an answer for you, because the way that this started is I believe I texted you sometime mid-last week, have you read The Da Vinci Code? Can I explain my rationale for sending this text? No. It was one of those things where I thought of it, and then 0.5 seconds later, I was texting Brian, uh, as all good slash terrible ideas start, so a little bit of history for me with Dan Brown. Uh, you know, The Da Vinci Code, it came out, caused a huge controversy because of the Da Vinci and the Christian of it all. But I read The Da Vinci Code when I was 8, which is not made up. I was doing a lemonade stand while I was reading the book and I found that people paid me more money when they saw me visibly reading The Da Vinci Code. But uh, then when I was in middle school, I branched out and read his other books, Deception Point and Angels and Demons, which is actually the prequel to The Da Vinci Code and came out first. I read Deception Point, and this was what kicked off my renewed interest in Dan Brown because I found a pile of pages that someone had ripped out of a book on the ground in front of my middle school. And of course, much like a, a young Robert Langdon, I saw this and thought, a puzzle? And so I was trying to figure out what book it was from because I knew that I had to read it. And the one Mm. turn of phrase that stood out to me in these pages was, he clucked ruefully. (laughs) Anyway, so I read Deception Point and it was my favorite of the Dan Brown books. And I used to carry, I dropped Angels and Demons in the bath one time. And that's a fat book to drop in the bath, even though it deserves it. So it was this bloated copy of Angels and Demons that I always carried in my hoodie pocket. So I just looked pregnant with literature quote-unquote, literature. Anyway, so I've reread these books many, many, many times, and I thought it might be fun to read them with Brian. Well,
1: and in fact, the text you sent me last Wednesday, less than a week ago, was, have you read The Da Vinci Code? I was thinking it would be fun to do a book club episode where we roast the shit out of a bad book. That was it. Yeah. That's, how, that's the genesis, pun intended, of, <laughs> of, uh, of this episode. And then your response was? Well, actually, my response is wrong. I said yes a long time ago. But actually, I realize now I've never read The Da Vinci Code. I'd only read Angels and Demons. Mm. And then I said, if we want to do a bad Dan Brown book, we should do Angels and Demons because it's about physics, sort of. (laughs) So...
0: Yeah, and I think to be fair, I always preferred Angels and Demons over The Da Vinci Code because The Da Vinci Code is literally the exact same plug and play formula, and we can get into how yes, goddamn formulaic Dan Brown books are later. But Da Vinci Code commits the sin of being fucking boring, which I cannot forgive. Say what you will about Angels and yes, Demons, but it's not it, boring.
1: It moves. It moves. We can roast the shit out of this book and will, but I will say it. It is a page turner. It's fun. It's fast. Uh, If you don't stop to think about literally anything that's happening, you can have a great time reading it. I understand why people like this book. Uh, I think it's one of the worst things, if not the worst thing I've ever read in novel form. And I genuinely think it's a terrible book. But I understand the good things about it. And the pace is the good thing about it. There's actually nothing else good about it.
0: Because the moment you pull the thread, the entire thing comes apart. And as a single digit to teenager, of course, this was perfect. You grew up on sure. YA. It's just like big old YA. And mind you, <laughs> all the talk of um, being serviced by a particular character in this book, my child ass did not understand that. I was like, oh, does he no, want to like
1: clean before he kills her? (laughs) I was curious about this, reading this book as, at an age younger than my own child is now, she wouldn't understand any of this shit. I think to be fair, I didn't read it
0: until close to like, I was maybe 10, 11 when I read Angels and
1: Demons. Still, I think you probably wouldn't quite get (laughs) What was going on, right? No, I was like, oh, they're they're smart. They're being so smart as they go smartly through Europe. Yes, but I'm ta- I'm talking about the the sex scenes. You probably didn't quite understand. No, either.
0: But I don't think Dan Brown does either.
1: <laughs> uh, I I am ninety nine percent sure. To quote Maximilian, Magazine's his name, Kohler. Uh, he had never known the touch of a woman. I believe oh my that God. is also true about because, by the way, he's in a wheelchair, so he's never known the touch of a woman. What the fuck are we talking about? It's the dumbest thing I've ever read.
0: <laughs> Wait, there was some other line in that paragraph, and I'll be looking at my phone because I hi- I highlighted all this stuff. But no, as you get Kohler's bitter, bitter backstory, um, and saying yeah. that he, he because of God and Christians, he never felt the touch of a woman. I yeah subtlety. Dan Brown doesn't know that bitch. (laughs) I would actually like to start in talking about this book from the very beginning. So I would ask you that you do Mm -hmm. a dramatic reading of the like one page prologue to this book. Cause I think it maybe has one of the worst opening sentences I've
1: ever read. So uh, uh, just a little bit of history with my book. I've had a copy of this book for more than 20 years. A very dear friend of mine gave this to me. This copy is inscribed um, and he inscribed it and I don't think this is telling tales out of school, is a Christmas present. He said, for my favorite physicist who may think this book is a bunch of horse shit, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Um, So I had this book. I read it when he gave it to me because when people give me books, I read them. And I think I am the absolute wrong person to read this book and enjoy it because I worked at Harvard. I (laughs) gave talks at slash lectured several times at CERN in the theoretical physics division. You know, I am a physicist. I know what he's fucking talking about. Now, I'm not an art historian, or should I say, symbologist, uh, someone who studies symbols, apparently. But look, as we all know, the key to really enjoying something like this is to not really know too much about it And I know way too much about the places that are being referenced here and the topic that is extensively discussed, so extensively that I'm like, why would you do this to yourself? It's the biggest cell phone in modern literature to talk this much about something you don't fucking know about, by which I mean particle physics. I should not be reading this book because I I am destined to hate it, which I did. Yes. Well, A,
0: we are 24 years late and, you know, spanning out to the Ron Howard films, Releases. We're deeply late with things that people have already said. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's important that these things are said. <laughs> and it, you know, I I don't want to blame an author. Like it's fiction. Not everything has to be real no, or based
1: in fact. Absolutely. And I not. wouldn't
0: have a problem with it if this Except, book didn't
1: start. Okay. Can I read it? Can, can, can I yes, read it? Please. Can I read it? Do it. Here's the author's note. References to all works of art, tombs, tunnels, and architecture in Rome are entirely factual, as are their exact locations. (laughs) They can still be seen today. The Brotherhood of the Illuminati is also factual. (laughs) Now, I might ask, what does factual mean in this case?
0: As are their exact locations, Brian. You know, it's promising when an author starts a book and in the final sentence of the author's note... It's just like, you want a grammatical error, I will give you one.
1: But the, the interesting thing to me is the difference between factual and true. Like, mm. I, I guess factual is maybe the better word here because they are quote-unquote facts. But it, it kind of stood out to me as a tortured phrase. Like, there's a better way of <sighs> there saying this a lot this of tortured than, phrases oh, in this even. book. At one point, he used the word- uh What was it? Pentagrammal? Which is not a word. I I checked in the dictionary because it really (laughs) rubbed my my ears the wrong way. And I was like, okay, pentagonal, sure. But pentagrammal? Nope. That's nowhere to be found. Anyway, I'm not quite sure what he means by factual here. But also, he commits grievous errors against fact on, like, literally page one or whatever. And immediately you're like, okay, everything this guy says is complete horseshit.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the problem with slowing down to check this. Because I think in the past, when I've reread this book, like I reread this in the past year, just as a quick little read, and I probably read most of it stoned while almost falling asleep, as I do that's with the way books to do often. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, you know, going through it with a fine tooth comb to talk about it on this podcast, it's just like, you know, oh I was, I even texted you the like, English is the universal language of silence, BTW, which you Science. said is a true, true thing. Yeah. But, Because I can't trust a goddamn thing the man says, I'm doubting and Googling everything. And half the time, it's just made up. There's a whole thing about how skepticism is evil in this book. That's like a fucking quote.
1: Oh, that whole fucking thing. All right. Did you Um, want me to read the prologue? Because it's terrible? Yes, you should
0: read the prologue. And I just, everybody, please pay attention to this first sentence.
1: Physicist Leonardo Vetra smelled burning flesh, and he knew it was his own. He stared up in terror at the dark figure looming over him. What do you want? By the way, exclamation point right away instead of a question mark at the end of one. La chiave, the raspy voice replied. The password. Because by the way, this guy doesn't speak Italian. He had to be, (laughs) to translate it for English. Yeah, to the Italian. Okay, well, I should just read it and not read it. (laughs) But I don't. The intruder pressed down again, grinding the white-hot object deeper into Vestra's chest. There was the hiss of broiling flesh. Oh, sorry. Vestra. I said Vestra. It's Vetra. Sorry. Vetra cl- cried out in agony. There is no password. He felt himself drifting towards a consciousness. The figure glared. Neavevo Paura, Or however you say that. I was afraid of that. Vetra fought to keep his senses, but the darkness was closing in. His only solace was in knowing his attacker would never obtain what he had come for. A moment later, however, the figure produced a blade and brought it to Vetra's face. The blade hovered carefully, surgically. For the love of God, Vetra screamed, but it was too late. (laughs) Fucking piece of shit.
0: (laughs) You know, Brian, you have a promising future in audiobook
1: reading. Why, thank you, Leighton. High atop the steps of the Great Pyramid of Giza, a young woman (laughs) laughed and called down to him Robert, hurry up. I knew I should have married a younger man. Her smile was magic. (laughs) He struggled to keep up, but his legs felt like stone. Wait, he begged, please. As he climbed, his vision began to blur. There was a thundering in his ears. I must reach her. But when he looked up again, the woman had disappeared. In her place stood an old man with rotting teeth. The man stared down, curling his lips into a lonely grimace. Then he let out a scream of anguish that resounded across the desert. Robert Langdon awoke with a start from his nightmare. He had been reading the book Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. (laughs) The worst thing he'd ever read. This can't be real, he muttered to himself. A book this bad can't possibly exist. But then he looked down and the book he was holding was the book Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. Wait, said Robert Langdon. Am I a fictional character or am I real? His smoldering gaze looked down at his own creamy thighs. I'm not going to continue this bit.
0: Were you, was that all off the dome? Yes. That was fabulous. Thank you. I would like to skip forward like a page because I want to talk about the way that Dan Brown introduces characters. Because if it's a man... That's one thing. If it's a woman, Dan Brown has a compulsive need to blurt out
1: their weight immediately. <laughs> every single time. I actually looked around in this book because it's so <laughs> obvious. People, and they're usually overweight, by the way. At some point oh, yeah. in the book, I, I tried to make note of any time a new male character was introduced, what the description was. And not once did I find a, an indication of the man's weight. However, every single woman that he introduces... Her of which weight there are is very commented few. upon very few. There's like five, maybe. Her weight is noted immediately. <laughs> and it's, it's like, by the way, also, how does he refer to his protagonist in the book? Shall we start with how his appearance is introduced? Well, okay. Actually, before we even get to that, just real quick, page fucking one of this book. <laughs> My name is Maximilian Kohler. I'm a discrete particle physicist. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? A discrete? Par- particles are discrete. Discrete means in little chunks, right? As opposed to continuous. Dis- uh, discrete is the opposite of continuous. Nobody in the world says I'm a discrete particle physicist. That is redundant. Particles are discrete things. That's not a thing. That's not... it. it, it I mean, yes, being a discrete particle is a thing, but... You know, it, it's redundant. No scientist in the world would call themselves a discrete particle physicist. It's fucking stupid. But Brian, he's the director of CERN. Oh my god! Yeah, the CERN, <laughs> which has a uh, a free fall chamber and a gun range. <laughs> the freefall chamber which dan brown thinks
0: it's very important to note that there's a fat woman
1: in there oh he's got and to talk about that's relevant yeah he's got to talk about the fat lady in the in the freefall chamber right away i was like are you kidding me with this discrete <laughs> particle physics and then you're a professor of religious iconography at harvard university do you what? I fucking symbology i hate the talk of symbology as if it's a real thing look it mm-hmm. might by the way the shit that we're saying might be wrong, but please, I'm going to say something Dan Brown has never said. Please fact check us. <laughs> if I say something wrong, I want to know about it. Such concerns don't seem to ever cross Dan Brown's mind. Anyway, discrete particle physicists fucking got me because right away I was like, I hate this dude. Okay, please continue.
0: Okay, before we got to that, I forgot about the other thing that I love on page fucking two. A knowing groan escaped Langdon's lips. This had oh, happened so before. Much groaning. One of the perils of writing books about religious symbology was the calls from religious zealots who wanted him to confirm their latest sign from God. Last month, a stripper from Oklahoma had promised Langdon the best sex of his Mm -hmm. life if he would fly down and verify the authenticity of a cruciform that had magically appeared on her bedsheets. The Shroud of Tulsa, Langdon had called it. I I to be there we go,
1: best sex of his (laughs) life right there, there it is. (laughs)
0: This is going to be the first of almost every five pages that Dan Brown talks about how much everyone badly wants to fuck Robert Langdon, who is totally not Dan Brown's self-insert at all. Please don't flip to the back
1: and look at the author photo after reading the description of Robert Langdon, which we will now proceed to read. As Langdon sat on his brass Maharishi's chest and savored the warmth of the chocolate, the bay window caught his reflection. The image was distorted and pale, like a ghost, an aging ghost, he thought. (laughs) Cruelly reminded, it's <laughs> the fucking dumbest thing I've ever read. An
0: aging ghost, an
1: aging ghost. <laughs> cruelly reminded that his youthful spirit was living in a mortal shell. How how old is he supposed to be here? By the way. Oh oh, it's about
0: to say. It's about to say. Okay.
1: Yes, although not overly handsome in a classical sense, the forty-year-old <laughs> Langdon.
0: Wait, it says for, it's, it says oh forty-five God. year old for me. Does it say? Oh, 40 mine year says old? forty. Say- yeah, it does. Look. You can't see shit here, but I to be fair, I'm reading a pirated copy <laughs> that has crazy. some iffy. Uh,
1: okay. Interesting. Either way, 40 or 45. Okay. 40. Hello? Old? You're an aging goat. Yeah. Also, in, in academic circles, that is like fully mid-career. Like, that is not old. Anyway. He feels so weird about being old
0: that, like, that dream of, oh, Robert, I knew I should have married a younger man, comes back.
1: This guy's eight years younger than I am. I fucking hate him. Uh, the forty-year-old Langdon had what his female colleagues referred to as an erudite appeal. Wisps of gray in his thick brown hair, probing blue <laughs> eyes. Hmm, sound familiar? Hmm? Hmm? And arresting, and arrestingly deep voice, and the strong, carefree smile of a collegiate athlete, a varsity diver in prep school and college. Langdon still had the body of a swimmer, a toned... By the way, we just talked about how much this guy is aging, and he still has the body of a swimmer. A toned six-foot physique that he vigilantly maintained with 50 laps a day in the university pool. Langdon's friends had always viewed him as a bit of an enigma, a man caught between centuries. On weekends, he could be seen lounging on the quad in blue jeans, discussing (laughs) computer (laughs) graphics or religious history with students. Other times he could be spotted in his Harris tweed and paisley vest photographed in the pages of upscale art magazines, (laughs) upscale art magazines and museum openings where he had been asked to lecture. (laughs) <laughs> Although a tough te- I'm not going to read this next part. Oh no, oh, actually, because dolphin it's so bad. in it. Yeah, 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 that's right, sorry. <laughs> Although a tough teacher and strict disciplinarian, Langdon was the first to embrace what he held as the quote lost art of good clean fun. He relished recreation with an infectious fanaticism, which by the way, I first read as fascism, that had earned him a fraternal acceptance among his students. His campus nickname, the dolphin, was a reference both to his affable nature. What? Uh, And his legendary ability to dive into a pool and outmaneuver the entire opposing squad in a water polo match, which he still did. So he's Mm. complaining that he's too old to move or whatever. And yet he's a fucking expert water polo player. Everything about this sucks. Also, by the way, what his female colleagues referred to as an erudite appeal. What what are we talking about? The guy is so... (laughs) Horned up for himself, <laughs> but only if only if a woman's looking at him, which is
0: Brian, he's so old, he's so decrepit at the age of 40.
1: I, I will say one thing about this book is, even though it is kind of explicitly racist in, a, in, in some ways, it does not oh, strike yeah. me uh, yeah, it does not strike me as homophobic, which is actually kind of a win. <laughs> for this particular book, because all he needed was one gay character. But also, by the way, there are no queer characters in this book whatsoever uh, that, that you can tell. But at least it's not homophobic. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a point there for not being too gay panicky, which he well, very well would not have been outside the realm of what I would expect. That's a low bar to clear. No, no, no. It surely, look, the guy, I hate this book. I'm trying to find some small positives where I can, but Mm -hmm. despite being racist, despite being extremely misogynist, at least he's not being homophobic.
0: Hold on. I I really, I really need to, I need to find this thing that I want to read and you tell me how much this sounds like uh, Dan Brown. Now I, you know a website's going to be good where it, it tells you it's unsafe yeah. to proceed. Um, come on, this is, is a, this is a fucking meme. Blue jeans, okay. All right, let me read this to you. This is actually uh, Dan Brown's alt account. Hi, my name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way and I have long ebony black hair. Uh, parentheses, that's how I got my name, with purple streaks and red tips that reaches my mid-back and icy blue eyes like limpid tears, and a lot of people tell me I look like Amy Lee. (laughs) I'm not related to Gerard Way, but I wish I was, because he's a major fucking hottie. I'm a vampire, but my teeth are straight and white. I have pale white skin. I'm also a witch, and I go to a magic school called Hogwarts in England, where I'm in the seventh year. I could keep going, but this is the beginning of the classic fan fiction My Immortal.
1: Uh, Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, that, that's terrible.
0: That, that's what fucking... Hold on, hold on. I I went into another book to get fucking evidence of Dan Brown's ineptitude. Sorry. Wait, so what does My Immortal
1: have to do with Dan Brown? Oh, that does the way that it, it starts... It,
0: it's it, just is like that it it. introduces the character by saying, you know, she has long, dark hair. Okay. Like, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. the perfect... It's the quintessential version of, like, introducing a Mary Sue, which yes. Robert right. Langdon absolutely is. Ugh. Like, it's the most elementary thing where it's yeah. like, I need to start by
1: telling you every detail about my protagonist and how hot they are. Yes. Okay, great. For a second, I thought you were saying he he like had some connection to that himself. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe that's the real
0: <laughs> Da Vinci code. You know what TikTok I'm referencing when I say Da Vinci, right? I do not, actually. I was about to ask. We'll talk about it later and I'm going to keep saying okay. it. But here's how the protagonist of Deception Point whose main character is named Rachel Sexton, is introduced. (laughs) (laughs) Because she has a ton of question mark. Uh, The woman was attractive in her mid-30s, wearing gray pleated flannel pants, conservative flats, and an ivory Laura Ashley blouse. Her posture was straight, chin raised ever so slightly. Not arrogant, just
1: strong. The woman's hair- (laughs) I'm going to have to stop you because I do have a boner. (laughs) <laughs> right now. And I need to I just need I just need a fucking second. Okay. Oh, right, you are, you are you are aroused by this woman's fiery oh. spirit? <laughs> oh, you have no idea. Oh.
0: Okay, hold on, let me finish this. The woman's hair was light brown and fashioned in Washington's most popular style. The anchor woman, a lush feathering <laughs> curled under it the shoulders, long enough to be sexy, but short enough to remind you that she was probably smarter than you. What? Uh, oh, so, yeah, that's the way that he introduces characters. Uh So let's get into the plot of Angels and plot, quote unquote, plot. The very sexy smoldering Robert Langdon is contacted by director of oh. CERN
1: discrete particle physicist Maximilian Kohler. <laughs> One thing I do want to say while we're talking about characters here mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and th- this is something I am assuming you did notice this. Langdon is almost exclusively referred to as Langdon, but Vittoria is only referred to as Vittoria. hmm What the fuck are we doing? It's like, it's so stupid. That's the first you
0: wrong know, on the misogyny ladder, and it only gets worse from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just... Anyway. Oh, 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 you know what's even dumber about the
0: fat woman in the freefall chamber? Langdon looked on in amazement. One of the freefallers, an obese woman, maneuvered <laughs> towards the window. <laughs> she was being buffeted by the air currents, but grinned and flashed Langdon the thumbs up sign. Langdon smiled weakly and returned the gesture, wondering if she knew it was the ancient phallic symbol for masculine oh, virility. But you know I underlined that part. <laughs> He started down the corridor again. One square yard of drag will slow a falling body oh. almost 20%. Langdon nodded blankly. He never suspected that later that night in a country okay. hundreds of miles away, the information would save his life.
1: Well, this <laughs> is this is maybe the dumbest. Pl- okay, we can get into this as, as the book goes on. But what is it about the 20% that actually entered into, the, into this at all? He jumps out of a plane.
0: He helicopter. grabs for a thing that's a...
1: Sorry, thank you, helicopter. He grabs for a thing that's a parachute. Where are we dealing with 20%... He, this is not relevant at all. It's like, all you need to know is. Well, no, no, he didn't grab a parachute. He grabbed the windscreen cover of oh, the helicopter, sure. which totally
0: yes. held falling yes. from oh however high it was, which was totally high enough to get out of the radius of the antimatter bomb, which they repeatedly emphasized would destroy the entire va- going that high. They had six minutes left on the fucking clock. Not Are even, you kidding not me? Not even.
1: I think when they took Four. off, they had three minutes or whatever.
0: Also, spoilers for this dumbass book. Nobody oh, put yeah, yourselves no. through this. We're, we're spoilers, doing you a favor.
1: don't, don't read it. Anyway, please continue with this amazing plot.
0: So, Robert, there's a dead body. Robert gets faxed a dead body with the head turned around 180 degrees and a mysterious symbol branded on his chest saying Illuminati. And Robert looks at it and says, no, it can't be dot, 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 because you see... The word is an ambigram. The ancient sign of the Illuminati, a word that is perfect, uh, legible, upside down and straight up. And And it's so advanced.
1: How advanced is an ambigram?
0: That not even modern computers could devise a way to create those words. (laughs) One of those fucking words is the word air. And ambigrams.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about ambigrams, Brian. An ambigram is just a a little piece of art that's a word that reads the same when you flip it around. Uh, It's got what we call, in the biz, 180-degree rotational symmetry. And to hear this guy talk about it, the finest minds in human society have been trying to figure out how to make words look like this for centuries and have not succeeded, despite the fact that... When you look at it on the page, which you do many times, like six times, there's one right there, <laughs> wow. you're like, that's pretty no, no, cool. No, no, hold
0: it upside down, Brian. We need to be in awe and shock oh. of, my God, how did they do it?
1: <laughs> now, look, ambigrams are cool. This thing is cool. We agree they're cool. Yeah. To present them as this thing so complicated, nobody could do it, but it shows up several times throughout the book. One of those, as you said, is the word air. <laughs> which is not complicated to do. Um, Easy mode. Also, at this point, they're well-known. They're popular. They've been around for a while. This is not d- like... D- d-
0: nerds make them for fun. It's the, the idea that the an advanced time. computer program can't do it. And also, like, the fact that it, that it really bothers me that he's still... Like, ambigram is a cool word. That is yeah. obviously what they're called now. But if you're going to claim that it's an ancient thing, and for as much as he goes into, like... Here's what it was called back then. Ambigram was coined by Douglas Hofstadter. Like, yes, that's right. Am I saying right. his
1: name right? Yep, D- Douglas Hofstadter. Yep.
0: And then no mention of him when you're doing your like nerd book. That's the ultimate fucking. Are you kid like? <sighs> anyway oh do, do you like do you like how at the end of the book where he sees the magical Illuminati diamond well, and then looks at the brand and doesn't r- recognize what it is even though he spent the entire goddamn I book know. being supposedly traumatized by seeing oh, these branded on all the cardinals wait. flesh
1: actually I have to I have to get back to this part because this was yeah, really do, good do, actually. uh there was a really good line there uh <laughs> orientation Langdon had forgotten the first rule of symbology. When is a square not a square? The first <laughs> rule of symbology. <laughs> yes, you know when you you know when you take your symbology class, most people won't take this until their senior year of college because it's it's so advanced. Uh the first thing they teach you is orientation. What the first rule of symbology are we some <laughs> A, symbology is not a thing. <laughs> B, it definitely doesn't have codified rules. C, even if it did, the first one wouldn't be orientation, which isn't a rule. It is a word. The rule would be something like, (laughs) look at a symbol in lots of different ways or whatever, some version of that. It's not orientation. It's so stupid. The whole book is about how smart Robert Langdon is. And then he repeatedly
0: says the dumbest shit you've ever heard. And you're supposed to still think he's smart.
1: I also uh, underlined this part. Oh, here we go. This is in uh, chapter 120. 11.51 p.m., necropolis literally means city of the dead. These things that anyone would think of suddenly occur to him like out of bolts from the blue, like it's like, oh, my God, when they're just like obvious. Most of them are, by the way, he remembers what Latin is. It's like,
0: yes. Or he is simply incorrect, (laughs) something that even a cursory Google search could have told you was bullshit. Yes. Here's a good one. Here's just one off the top of my head. Since the beginning of history, Langdon explained, a deep rift has existed between science and religion. Outspoken scientists like Copernicus were murdered, Kohler interjected, murdered by the church for revealing scientific truths. Religion has always persecuted science, which brings us to the central, like, for Dan Brown, this has to be true, even though Copernicus died of natural causes, like, fucking okay. Uh, He he, has to invent this whole thing. I believe. Because the plot hinges on this like fake thing that he has invented and is insisting is fucking real.
1: Yes. Indeed.
0: This is about the time where it starts getting really racist. <laughs> so I, I feel like we should outline the plot a little bit more so we can get more into the nitty gritty yeah, well, of all that bullshit that happens at CERN.
1: <laughs> you're, you're our resident Dan Brown expert, Layton. So why don't you summarize the plot of, okay. of this? fast-paced masterwork.
0: Robert Langdon is a Harvard symbologist who is contacted by the director of CERN, Maximilian Kohler, with a fax image of one of their lead scientists who has been murdered, stripped naked, and branded in the chest with an ambigrammatical symbol of the Illuminati, thus confirming the, the existence and reign of the Illuminati still today mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. year of 2000. So, uh... Maximilian Kohler sends the very sleepy, handsome, and smoldering uh, Robert Langdon an experimental helicopter—no, plane—that only CERN has. That also, if you fact check, this was literally a demo model that was no—whatever, fuck it. Uh, Then he ends up in Switzerland. Am I remembering that correctly?
1: The X thirty three, which sounded like Pee Wee's bike, I believe. (laughs) I think it's the X one, but yeah, I was like, oh.
0: Robert is secreted away. To the CERN headquarters to meet Maximilian Kohler and uh, who is in a wheelchair, and Dan Brown is really so normal evil about this guy in, who a is in a wheelchair.
1: Oh my God, he's such an asshole to this poor guy.
0: And so he shows up there. Oh, we got to talk about the column crack
1: because that one oh, let, pisses let, me let, off. Let, let, let's finish the plot description. Oh, alright right, we right, we're right. You're sorry. And, I just I keep getting stuck it. in
0: the weeds because this book is so goddamn bad. <laughs> There's the Large Hadron coll- ha- <laughs> ha- Hadron.
1: Uh, Some people say hadron. 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 I say Large Hadron Collider. Some people say hadron. They're, they're both right.
0: Okay, I wasn't even like questioning how to pronounce it. I just fumbled on it. But the the discovers the, the secret project. The man who was murdered was working with his adoptive daughter Victoria. Uh, that they created. Oh, they she they recreated sexy. the Big Bang and created Mm. antimatter, and there are canisters of antimatter, and Robert sees the corpse of
1: Victor, whatever the fuck his name is. Leonardo Vectra. Right, right, right. Which I believe is Italian for Leo Windows. And his eye has been taken
0: out. The only way to get into the super secretive lab is through an eyeball scanner. One of the canisters of antimatter has been stolen. I so badly want to get into the weeds on this. His adoptive daughter, who is also a physicist, shows up and they realize that the antimatter canister has been stolen. They get a phone call from the Vatican. His
1: sexy adopted daughter.
0: His sexy adopted daughter. They get a phone call from the Vatican that the antimatter canister has been discovered somewhere there because one of their wireless cameras is Mm. broadcasting the countdown because without the magnetic field that keeps it charged and keeping the little globule of antimatter suspended... Did I mention that they have to keep the antimatter secret because it's a big deal? But now somebody has stolen it and it's, it's somewhere in the Vatican. But uh-oh, the the pope died 15 days ago and they're holding a oh, conclave yeah, to did. elect the new pope. And there's a bomb. got poped. Yeah. And they, and they he got young poped. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. They, they got Godfather Threed.
0: <laughs> they can't find the antimatter canister and an assassin calls the assassin oh what oh what oh sorry the assassin there we go thank you and lets them know that this is the illuminati's revenge for la perga a thing that totally fucking happened of the church murdering a bunch of scientists and says that for card you know the the preferiti also not the oh. fucking
1: word for the preferred papal candidates by the way i misunderstood that i thought la perga referred to the church killing muslims is it not? No, I don't think that's what they oh, meant. Oh, okay.
0: It could be, you know, there's a lot of killing by the church going on here, which, to be clear, did happen.
1: Mostly for good reasons.
0: <laughs> not the way that Dan Brown claims. Where was I? But yes, the the assassin has, has abducted the four cardinals who were most likely to be elected pope. And is saying that he's going to sacrifice them on virgin sacrifices on the altars of science. And mm-hmm. now it's up to sexy scientist, Vittoria Vetra and uh, crack and uh, even uh, sexier Harvard, sexy Robert Langdon to solve the problems and go on a treasure hunt through Rome to stop the murders before they happen and find the antimatter canister before it detonates and levels the Vatican. That's the that's
1: the that's plot. The fucking plot. Spoiler <laughs> alert. They succeed, and we get a dope-ass new pope at the end. Oh, <laughs> this new fucking pope. He's actually my favorite character in the book.
0: Two new popes, Yeah, actually. you know what? You're right.
1: Two new popes. Dos popes, as they say.
0: <laughs> uh, there's also an important character here. I mean, there are many important characters here we're glossing over. Let's talk about, is it the Cam- Camerleno? How do you say it? Oh. Uh, Car- Car- Carla Ventresca.
1: Yes, let me actually read this word to make sure that I'm... They say it only about six billion times, but I've never heard <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, it's like G-N in the word. Yeah, yeah, Camerleno, I guess. Or is, is it... Wait, is yo... Is that G-N? I have no Camerlengo? idea. I'm not sure. Camerlengo. We'll call I don't. him Carlo. I don't know, I don't know how to say it. Uh, call, let's call him the camel. We're not going to do that. Um, okay, that's
0: fine. <laughs> that's Carlo. Camerlengo. He was the Pope's right-hand man. And is a helpful, benevolent figure to the protagonist of the book. Sure would be a shame if he
1: turned out to be secretly evil. Oh my God. Only <laughs> they wait, but there's a character you keep calling Janice. Janus, however, you, I, I it's Janus, right? I've always said Janus. You keep referring to this person named what do you say, Janus or Janice? I was in my head, I was saying Janus. Janus, great. We'll call him Janice because around the Because Janice just sounds like Soprano's character, Janice. Yeah, she's a Muppet. Um yeah. So Janus, there's a character, uh, a person we have to talk. To we many we times need to talk Janus. about the assassin. Oh, this fucking guy!
0: Let me some context. In every single Dan Brown book. There are many things about his books that are formulaic. Let's say first chapter is a brief chapter describing a renowned scholar like uh, Victor Vetra Ass or Jacques Saunier in Da Vinci Code being murdered by an assassin. The said assassin then trails the protagonist with their evil black eyes. And their only trait is that they're evil. At least in Da Vinci Code, Silas gets a little bit of a personality. But for example, I almost called it Decepticon. Um, <laughs> Deception Point and not the song by <laughs> Le Tigre, uh, is fucking the Delta Squad 1 who is never characterized through the entire book it's just a crack team of assassins hunting Michael Tolland and Rachel Sexton I hate how much I know about Deception Point it's like I'm not yeah. okay with it anyway in this book we're introduced to the assassin who <laughs> is the one in the first scene of the book who is, as is repeatedly, and pretty much the only trait of this man, as is emphasized by Dan Brown, is that he's
1: Middle Eastern and he's evil. Oh, and he loves and to fuck. Don't <laughs> forget, Leighton, how much he loves to fuck someone.
0: How all the he time. loves to be aroused. The first scene we actually get with him, we never find out his real name, just that
1: he's the assassin. So for a paragraph, he's talking about how Hassassin, or Hassassin, however you're supposed to say it, means blah, blah, blah. He says Hassassin a couple times. And then at the next paragraph, as if it's a reveal at this point, he says, it was now pronounced assassin, which is <laughs> one letter different.
0: It would only take a symbologist to figure that one
1: out. <laughs> this happens all the time where they, he drops these things that are supposed to be like truth bombs on you. And you're like, Yeah obviously and it, it it it's such a self-own every single time it makes me so mad anyway
0: the first scene that we get of his personality is after he's killed Vetra he goes to a brothel and selects mm. his reward <laughs> his reward yes <laughs> so he really wants to fuck and when he's making oh, the threat the threat phone to call fuck. to Carlo and the Swiss guard Whose uniforms were not fucking designed by Michelangelo? That's an urban legend, <laughs> Dan Brown.
1: Fuck, one Google search, you fucking. Which, to be fair, didn't exist dumbass. when he wrote this. Google was not a thing when he wrote this.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, but, oh, but CERN invented the internet, Brian. They invented the World Wide Web.
1: They should. They invented it. That like little bam right there. I mean, that's not whatever. <sighs> Whatever. Again, anyway, when he's making the threat
0: phone call, hold on, I need to find the exact I am, you know, I don't even need to find it because I know what the line is. A woman of spirit, I am aroused, is what he says to Vittoria when she's like, you killed my father on this call, which sets up, literally This comes back around because Ford's to climax, he abducts Vittoria and then the whole, he, like, he binds her and he
1: knocks her out with a pr- pressure point on the back of her head or whatever. See, that was the stupidest thing I've ever read. And then his dream, what's his dream, like How does he want her to go out in life? He wants her to, and this phrase is used multiple times, quote-unquote
0: service him and then yes. slitting her throat at the moment of his climax.
1: Yep, he wants to she is in her throat as he slits it. And it's.
0: Oh, it's just and so what dumb. did What, pray tell, does Vittoria smell like before he oh, wants to
1: do that? That
0: would be musk.
1: <laughs> and also, the sentence is just she smelled of musk, of musk. which is. There are, ma- there are so many kinds of musk. And believe me, I know. Like, <laughs> just to say she smelled of musk would be like saying, like, she smelled like a flower. Okay. You're a fucking writer, dude. Give me he's something to go on here. She smelled like elephant musk. Good. Finally. I know what you're talking about. I do, by the way.
0: I think that brings us to, we need to talk about how
1: Victoria gets introduced. Before we get to her, can we talk about CERN a little first? Please, 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 please. <laughs> Let me get back to the columns. I don't know what he's talking about when he talks about <laughs> CERN. I'm just going to read some passages I highlighted from CERN here. Hold on. Please do. He's walking around the CERN campus. As if to accentuate the collegiate atmosphere. CERN, by the way, is not collegiate. It's a research institution. Two long-haired hippies hurled a frisbee back and forth while enjoying Mahler's Fourth Symphony blaring from a dorm window. It just... (laughs) No. (laughs) okay the brightest minds on earth he has such a boner for these fucking guys at CERN and there are plenty of smart people that work at CERN I'm not saying they're not but he fetishizes every single thing he talks about to the stupidest level possible Um, halfway to the bottom a young man jogged by I'm I'm just kind of skipping around here his t-shirt proclaimed the message no gut no glory Langdon looked after him mystified gut general unified theory Kohler quipped his quip was the phrase general unified theory. The theory of everything. Also, those are different things. a general <coughs> unified theory is not a theory of everything. But
0: The way that Dan Brown tries to make snarky jokes that don't even come close to qualifying as jokes that he insists are the most clever thing. Oh, my God. This is especially apparent in the
1: signature way that he ends his books, but we'll get to that shit later. I didn't even pick up on this before. He says general unified theory. It's actually, that's wrong. It's grand unified theory. (laughs) Um, And a grand unified theory, there are four forces that we know of in the universe. uh, Gravity and three other ones. When you unify those other three, that's the grand unified theory. A theory of everything is like something that unifies gravity as well. They're different fucking things. One is a theory without gravity. One is a theory with gravity. It's fucking stupid. I like the, this sentence. Are you familiar with particle physics, Mr. Langdon? By the way, Langdon doesn't have a doctorate, but he's teaching at Harvard also. This occurred to me many times. That's, <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Harvard's not going to hire someone who doesn't have a doctorate. They're only, every single thing about well, we can get to this because this is after Vittoria is introduced. But this idea of why you would talk about CERN when you've apparently never been there or actually met any kind of scientist is is totally beyond me. Like the the the, the easy details are so consistently wrong about this that I it, I just got angrier and angrier and angrier reading it. This is like page twenty five, and already I was like I. Hate this book I mean, th- this, so much. This
0: opening chunk before the quote unquote action starts is it's interminable. The worst part.
1: It's interminable and it's the worst part of the book from a variety of perspectives.
0: Because it doesn't start getting fast enough for you to stop paying attention to the minutiae of what he's saying, because right yeah. now he needs you to be as credible as possible. I want to talk about an art history thing that pisses me off in this first little bit that also checks the box of Dan Brown trying to make a joke and also checks the box of Robert needs to be smarter than everyone else. But despite its sterile name, Building C appealed to Langdon's sense of architectural style, conservative and solid. It had a red brick facade, an ornate balustrade. Balustrade, How do you fucking say that?
1: I've said, uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I've said balustrade. Paul and
0: sat framed by sculpted symmetrical hedges. As the two men ascended the stone path towards the entry, they passed under a gateway formed by a pair of marble columns. Someone had put a sticky note on one of them. This column is Ionic. Physicist. (laughs) 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 Oh, the (laughs) jollity I'm experiencing! (laughs) Physicist graffiti. Langdon mused, eyeing the column and chuckling to himself. He does a lot of chuckling to himself. He
1: does. Well, you have to when you're that (laughs) erudite.
0: I'm relieved to see that even brilliant physicists make mistakes. Kohler looked over. What do you mean? Whoever wrote that note made a mistake. That column is an ionic. Ionic columns are uniform in width. That one's tapered. It's Doric, the Greek counterpart. Oh, my God. A common mistake, which fucking first of all... Both of those are fucking Greek. It being yes, tapered is not the are. difference between ionic and Doric columns. He's a his, he's a fucking art history symbology. That's the most big. Ba- I learned that in middle school. Are you it's fucking like fifth kidding grade. me?
1: Yes, this is like fifth grade shit. Yeah. They,
0: uh, oh, the genius scientists are making a joke about something being made of ions. Every single bit of like science no. humor in this is like a bad joke that your middle school science teacher would make. Not
1: the most brilliant scientists in the world. This is 100% true and this is actually something I have thought about this uh, a lot. Whenever you look at science jokes online, they are a always like at the most 7th grade level and b only there to make the person who gets them feel smart. They're never funny. It's just trying to be part of some club of "quote unquote smart people," which is who this book is written for, I think. This is for people who want to read this and think, "Wow, I get it. I'm smart." I hate science jokes because they're like, quote unquote, science jokes because they're always fucking stupid. There are some funny ones out there that I've seen, uh, none of which I can remember at uh, at this point. But yes, all the science humor, all the humor in this book is presented as you got to be real smart to get this one. But it's like 12 year olds know this stuff.
0: Also, I'll finish that paragraph before I think I got angrier than I've ever gotten on this show. Kohler did not smile. The author meant it as a joke, Mr. Langdon. Ionic means containing ions, electrically charged particles. Most objects contain them.
1: most. But, um... Also, again, ionic is a high school chemistry, at the most, a high school chemistry term. This is not a term that needs to be defined for a fucking Harvard professor. I don't care... Uh, any Harvard professor would remember this term. Leighton, you're not a science person. Do you know what ionic means? That's what Maximilian Kohler just said, 100%. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. It drives me insane. It's,
0: it's, it's another thing about this book and all Dan Brown books where everyone is the smartest person possible until it's convenient for them to be yep. a fucking idiot for like That's four right. lines, which in Vittoria doesn't know iambic pentameter, but knows fucking, you know, this obscure Galileo diagramica, whatever the fuck. And then it's just like, iambic hootie-wotie? Like, fuck off, please stop.
1: I know. And don't forget, Layton, and this is, of course, important. She disproved, quote, one of Einstein's theories with tuna fish, (laughs) which- The less said about this, the better, because it really is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. And it's mentioned multiple times. Multiple times. And it is at the page before the end, the penultimate page of this book, that is brought back. I wonder if this character knows yoga.
0: (laughs) Okay. Now now and does we that have make to just, her good have, at fucking? Because I think just, it does. We have to get the shit out of the way, man. We've got to get it. it out of the way. Um, okay, so Victoria is coming. She's the adopted daughter of the murdered scientist who helped him with the antimatter shit. Uh, and I'm just gonna read the way that she is introduced. A moment later, Vittoria Vetra emerged from the fuselage. Robert oh, Langdon so realized- horny
1: right now, just <laughs> thinking about where this is going.
0: Robert Langdon realized today it was going to be a day of endless surprises. Descending from the chopper in her khaki shorts and white sleeveless top, Vittoria Vetra looked nothing like the bookish physicist he had expected. <laughs> Lithe and graceful, she was tall, with chestnut skin and long black hair that swirled in the back wind of the her face was unmistakably Italian, not overly beautiful. <laughs> I love the negging.
1: The negging is so but funny.
0: Possessing full, earthy features that even at 20 yards seemed to exude earthy. a raw sensuality. As the air currents buffeted her body, her clothes clung, accentuating her slender torso. and Small breasts. It's incredible. This Vetra is a woman of tremendous personal strength, Kohler said, seeming to sense Langdon's captivation. She spends months at a time working in dangerous ecological systems. She is a strict vegetarian and CERN's resident guru of Hatha Yoga. Hatha Yoga? Langdon mused. The ancient Hatha? Buddha- <laughs> the ancient Buddhist art of meditative stretching seemed an odd proficiency for the physicist's daughter of a Catholic priest. It's oh not God. fucking Buddhist. <laughs> are, you, are you fucking serious?
1: That actually, I didn't know. It's not Buddhist. It's Hindu. That's
0: the origin. It's like Buddhists do it, but like the origin of it is
1: Hinduism. I knew it was India, but I didn't know. Uh... Yeah, okay, cool. Good to know.
0: This most basic. I, See, I have to stop. I don't know anything about you. Stop it's killing
1: me. Yeah, like he's so horned up for this fucking character. You can you can feel Dan Brown getting a Dan boner while he's <laughs> writing about this lady. He's like, mm, yeah, oh nice. Oh,
0: Langdon yeah. watched Victoria approach. She had obviously been crying. Her deep sable eyes filled with emotions Langdon could not place. Can no. you really not fucking place him?
1: Yeah. By the way, title of epic, Langdon Knight with Brian Wecht. <laughs> Perfect. I really wanted to name it I Could Be Your Angle or Your Demon. Oh, uh, sorry. That Yes, of course. That's better. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah.
0: I, here's another thing that I want to bring up with this. This is very like r slash men writing women, right? But I think what bothers me more about it is the way that Dan Brown sexualizes his characters. I would respect it infinitely more if Victoria had stepped out of the helicopter and Robert Langdon thought like, wow, this bitch has banging titties. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, there's something about the, like, well, it's okay for me to sexualize her because she's smart and independent yes. and sexy 100%. and has small boobies. Like, something about that bothers me so intensely because it's like, the only a respectable woman who is an academic and fit That's is right. someone I can be lusty for.
1: Yeah, well, and it's also... The thing where it is such a stupid cliche to be like, a hot scientist? What?
0: What? What? Yeah. What? what, what?
1: <laughs> you know, it's like, people are attractive. Some people in science are attractive. Like, what is so shocking about about this? <laughs> I, I'm, I knew lots of scientists, and some of them were hot. I don't know what to tell you. Like, male and female, it's going to happen. It happens quite often. Like... Hot people exist. I don't know what to tell well, you. But clearly,
0: Brand. Dan Brown thinks that all scientists are either disabled and have never felt the touch of a woman or oh are God. fat and in an air, uh, whatever the fuck it is. That's what chamber. he thinks, clearly, because every single fucking one of his books has the sexy scientist sidekick. At least in Deception Point, there's the benefit yeah. of like, that character is a man. But he still sexualizes the female protagonist more than he does the male love interest, along with the whole fucking problematic-as-shit character of Gabrielle Ash, aide to Senator Sedgwick Sexton. Yeah, it's been a while since I, I read
1: Deception Point. It fucking sucks, man. I hate it. It's bad. And now, I, there's one question, actually, about Vittoria that I'm really confused about, which is, what does she wear on the lower half of her body? <laughs> I, I – I feel like he doesn't address this ever. So, Layden, can you enlighten me? What does Vittoria Vetra wear on the bottom half of her body? It's got to be like a skirt or or pants, right? And you know what?
0: If he had if he had put her in a skirt and heels like Bryce Dallas Howard in the new Jurassic Park movies, uh-huh. I would have respected it because that's a blatantly misogynistic swing. Instead of this shit, which is she shows up in a tank top and shorts, and then he needs to remind us every two goddamn pages that she's in a tank top and shorts, the whole book. Because this takes place in like a less than 24 hour period. And then she shows up in the Vatican and then it's every fucking character giving her shit because she's in shorts. And then her shorts. being like, fuck you in Italian. I I have a gun. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's the same like, oh, a
1: woman is sassy and she's wearing shorts. Whoa. And is that even uh, so I, I don't know this. Is that even a a rule that you can't wear shorts in the Vatican? I didn't. I don't, I, I don't know. But I don't care. Taurus go in the Vatican all the fucking time. Are they really, is there a ban yeah. on shorts? I mean, I don't want to break it to anyone, but Jesus can see inside those bad boys and he knows what your <laughs> legs look like. So I wouldn't think that he knows what everything looks like. Actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't think that shorts would be a problem, but okay. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm scrolling through my highlights. I sense you've heard of antimatter,
0: Mr. Langdon. Oh. Victoria was studying him, her dark skin in stark contrast,
1: the white lab. <laughs> the antimatter stuff. Okay. Let's talk about the antimatter stuff. Please. I'm in chapter 21 now.
0: <laughs> Which it
1: takes this long. Yeah. We're not even done with the exposition. Langdon looked up. He felt suddenly dumb. Yes, well, sort of. A faint smile crossed her lips. You watch Star Trek. Langdon Flush, well, my students enjoy, <clears throat> isn't antimatter what fuels the USS Enterprise? you got to say USS, obviously. She nodded. Mm-hmm. Good science fiction has its roots in good science. So antimatter is real? Okay. <laughs> People have known that antimatter is a real thing forever at this point. Like, many, many years. I mean, I forget when the first positron was discovered. 50s, maybe, something like that. Maybe earlier, I don't remember. But... The existence of antimatter, hypothesized originally, I believe, by Dirac famously, it's not a mystery that it exists, okay? The idea that antimatter is this thing where people are like, wait, that's real? What? Nobody knew that. No, it's just, it's so obviously real. I'm going to look this up right now. I'm going to guess positron was first observed in the 50s. Positron, first observation... 1932, 32, okay. Oh, right, it was Anderson. Yeah, famously. So it's been, it's like super old at this point. It's not a fucking shock. And to present it as if it's this thing that the director of CERN would be like, wait, you're telling me. And also, by the way, there's, there's some point, is it right here? Yes, here. Later, just a couple paragraphs down, Kohler scowled, but a vacuum would pull out the matter. Also, there would be no way to separate the particles. He applied a magnetic field. Matter arced right, and antimatter arced left. They are polar opposites. At that instant, Kohler's wall of doubt seemed to crack. This is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> this is high school level physics. Literally, the way magnetic fields act on charged particles is they they uh, act oppositely. The, the force equation has a charge in it. It goes opposite. This is how positrons are first observed. It's like they're going through a, a bubble chamber or whatever. It's got the same radius as the electrons. going the wrong direction. This is basic fucking science. And that the director of Stone would be like, oh my God, he applied a magnetic field. <gasps> it, it it is high school. Not even high school, it's like the most basic shit imaginable. This guy is supposed to be like the best particle physicist in the world and he's losing his shit over the existence of a magnetic field pulling charged particles in different directions. It's so fucking stupid. Drives me nuts. Oh, here. He looked up, this is the next sentence where I stopped. He looked up at Vittoria in clear astonishment and then without warning was overcome by a fit of coughing. Incredible, he said, <clears> wiping <throat> his mouth. And yet, Lest you forget, he
0: is disabled.
1: Oh my god! Anyway, this whole antimatter thing is so dumb, and it's again—I don't know what science Dan Brown took. Well, I do none, Um, (laughs) but it—it's just so astonishingly stupid. It blew my mind. Anyway, that's that. Enough said about antimatter. Anytime he mentions, oh, there was a line early on. I skipped this part because it's right in the middle of the two sections I just read. Antimatter is real, a fact of nature. Everything has an opposite. Protons have electrons. Up quarks have down quarks. The opposite of a proton is not an electron. (laughs) It's called an antiproton, and it's fucking antimatter, by the way. The opposite of an up quark is not a down quark. I mean, in some vague sense, I guess, maybe, but no. No one would call those opposites.
0: Oh, but Brian, just as long as you don't slander any quarks or mesons.
1: Oh yeah, that's in there too. Don't slander from the
0: fucking book.
1: Yeah. By the way, mesons are made up of quarks. It's whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah, everything has an opposite. Protons have electrons. I couldn't believe it when I read that. Opposite. Now they are oppositely charged particles, sure, but they are not opposites. The antimatter counterpart to an electron is a positron. The anti-proton is the antimatter of a proton made of antiquarks. It's fucking stupid. I hate this so much. I'm, I'm like visibly angry <laughs> over this section of the book. Here's another
0: nitpick that I only know about because I did do a fair bit of Googling about like fact-checking this book. Um, Vittoria felt tears of frustration welling right below the surface. Bavarian Illuminati, New World Order, Steve Jackson computer games. Oh, yeah. Half the techies here play it on the internet. Is that real? It would be one thing if he brought it up And made up a new game, but he specifically mentions it's Steve Jackson computer games. I played a bunch of
1: Steve Jackson games when I was a kid. It's a card game. Yeah.
0: The specific game he's talking about is a fucking card game. Insane. Now, now we need to talk about the dial tone, the dial tone issue. Hit me with
1: the dial tone.
0: So they're underground with the LHC, realizing that the antimatter canister has been stolen. They're getting the call from the Vatican. Vittoria wants to call the authorities because Maximilian Kohler has not yet for reasons, and she whips out her cell phone to make a call. But that is foiled because, <clears throat> turning away from Kohler, she snapped mm. open her phone. Mm. You can't do that, he said. Just try her and stop me. sultry eyes
1: blazing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kohler did not move. An instant later, Vittoria realized why. This far underground, her cell phone had no dial tone. Now, what has a dial tone, Brian? Oh, that would be a landline. Is it a cell phone? So it would be one thing if he had said that once. He then proceeds to talk about his cell phone having a dial tone like five more times. And now it's very interesting that Jan Brown would acknowledge that when she's that far underground, her cell phone doesn't have a signal. Well, hmm. A big part of this book is the live feed of a security camera that's wireless that was stolen from the Vatican to broadcast an antimatter bomb that is counting down in real time by the second accurately. They don't know where the bomb is. They cannot trace the signal of the wireless camera that they know is in the compound and they have the most advanced tracking shit and they can't locate the signal of a shitty security camera. I digress. Later in the book, it's revealed that the antimatter canister is buried deep underground. You know, the rock upon which the church is built, or whatever the fuck. So, okay. So you agree that if something is that deep underground, it won't get a dial tone? But we have HD live to the second updates of the antimatter canister counting down. Are you fucking kidding me?
1: By the way, yeah. Extremely stupid. I'm just going to say this before I forget. There's actually a theorem that there's no stable equilibrium in magnetic fields. So you literally couldn't do the canister that suspends the antimatter in it. It's like Shocking. actually impossible. Yeah. Anyway, you know, but actually that doesn't bother me so much. I'll suspend disbelief to be like, okay, there's a canister full of antimatter. That doesn't really bother me. They they found a fucking way. But yeah, that 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 cell phone dial tone thing is stupid. The signal thing is dumb. And it's so, I don't know, there's just a million ways of getting around it, too. We, we discovered a cord that was going up and taking the signal. You know, it's like you could address this in two sentences and not make it an issue.
0: And this is later. The guard took it, clicked it on, waited for a dial tone and then apparently satisfied it was indeed nothing more than a phone returned it to her. Victoria slid it back into her pocket. Yeah. Also, this is while she's getting patted down and oh, frisked and the whole thing is everything. about how she couldn't possibly be hiding under thing, under her tiny shorts mm-hmm. and
1: Robert checked. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Her tiny shorts. Oh, I have, wait, here's a post-it with a star on it. What does this mean? Ooh, I la, must have really la. hated this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's my favorite sentence in the book. Oxygen is an oxidant. Oh, is this one there in the archive? Uh, yes. Oxygen is an oxidant. So hermetic vaults contain very little of it. Oxygen is an oxidant? I, I hate that sentence so much. What does
0: he mean? What is he talking about?
1: <laughs> Ox- it's, whatever. It's so dumb.
0: As I mentioned, I've been watching... All of the eight weeks of the trial of Letitia Stouck, who murdered her stepson. And a lot of that trial is playing hours of audio of her interrogations and staged phone calls that they did to get her to confess anything. This woman is an expert level bullshitter. She will talk in circles for hours and hours and hours. And when I'm, you know, I've been listening to this nonstop. And so I listen to it and say out loud to myself, Letitia, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? And as I've been rereading Angels and Demons, I realized I've been doing the exact same thing of pacing around going, what are you talking about? What are you talking about?
1: I have not audibly reacted to a book this much in decades, perhaps. (laughs) Here's another one. I'm just going to go randomly through this. This is when they first discovered that the, I think the Cardinals are about to be killed or whatever. Page 157 of my, it's section, uh, chapter 41. I like this, too. In 90 minutes, it begins, the caller said, with a note of finality. One and hour, a mathematical progression of death. <laughs> one an hour, a mathematical progression. I mean, technically, sure, but it's not like there's a complicated math series that we're trying to figure out. The series Basic goes counting? one, 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 one. It's mathematical and that involves numbers. It, it, I, uh, fucking it it's dumb. It's so dumb. I've said this a billion times. I, I,
0: I just scrolled past the fact that I highlighted that exact thing.
1: Yeah. A mathematical progression of death. Mm, sounds funny. Uh, oh, here's a here's a note I wrote to myself. What languages does Vittoria speak? Because sometimes in the text, he will mention when she's speaking Italian. Mm-hmm. And he'll mention, presumably, when she's not speaking Italian, she's speaking English. But then, frequently, characters will be like, like we, we said before, it's like, spazzare la cappella. This is in section 36. You're leaving the chapel, or you're leaving to sweep the chapel. I do not understand why Italian characters are translating Italian to other Italian characters, which happens on literally every page of this book. And I understand, look, I get it. I know that to make it accessible to us, we have to do that, but it's so intellectually dissatisfying to have this happen all the time. And he- And it's people clumsy. Just, it's clumsy. That's that's the problem. It's clumsy. And if he called it out, you know, a little bit more, I, Langdon's there. She's going to talk in English, Jim. He doesn't speak much Italian. Okay, fine. But she does it to other Italians. It's so- oh.
0: Well, yeah. And that's the thing that really bothers me. I hate when books do that because I really believe in the Cormac McCarthy school of never telling you, like, if you want it, you better work for it because he Uh will use like very colloquial Spanish, too, that's difficult to translate straight and then just be Uh like, figure
1: it out. I don't give a fuck. That's the Nabokov school, right? I respect that immensely. I'm going to write this in Russian. Good luck. And now here's something else in French. Well, fuck you. Here's another one I liked. This is from uh, the end of chapter 84. This is about the uh, ecstasy of St. Teresa. (laughs) His great golden spear, filled with fire, plunged into me several times, penetrated to my entrails, a sweetness so extreme that one could not possibly wish it to stop. Langdon smiled. If that's not a metaphor for some serious sex, I don't know (laughs) what is serious sex i mean look as we know that's how i have sex my great golden spear penetrating entrails yeah sure we've mm-hmm, all done mm-hmm. it. but and i like I that it, it's, you it's not, thought that serious. was an
0: exaggeration by dan brown when that is actually accurate to the tale.
1: yeah i didn't know this sculpture uh, and i looked it up and uh that lady's having a good time
0: it's pretty sick. It's also not in the fucking church that he says it is. I forget <laughs> which one it actually is in. And also the thing that he makes up about like, oh, the 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 pope forced it to be taken out of the building cuz it was too sexual and also Bernini made it that way so it could be a signpost for the Illuminati treasure hunt. Yeah. Um, oh, here's one. Uh, here's here's a camera woman for the BBC being introduced. Oh, yes. After the the man partner of her is introduced and we don't talk about his weight at all. He turned to the back seat where his camera woman, Shanita Macri, sat silently polishing her glasses. She was always polishing her glasses. Shanita was black, although she preferred African-American. A little heavy and smart as hell. Great <laughs> sentence, Dan. She wouldn't let you forget it either. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, lo- I like that we needed to add that she was a
1: little heavy. A little and I heavy. Also, I underlined that as well, yes.
0: I also like, because Dan Brown's such an idiot... I assumed that like this character
1: was British
0: and he had just put in African
1: American. She works for the BBC. She works for the BBC. That is a reasonable assumption.
0: Yeah. And it isn't until later that it's clarified that she's American, but like like, half
1: the book later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But we have to mention that she's a little heavy.
1: I I want to talk about this scene where he flashes back to his Symbology 212.
0: Oh, fuck. Oh, this one's so. I think this is the,
1: the this may be bangers. the worst scene in the book. That's the, the worst scene in the book. As you you correctly told me, is the scene where Vittoria is abducted with the assassin. That's the <laughs> worst scene. Uh, the worst non sex scene is I think right. The and symbology the other worst scene is class. the
0: final pages. But yeah, this yes. this one is like <laughs> Dan Brown's straw man one oh one.
1: Yeah. So he's talking about let's see. Formal Christian tombs were often misaligned with the architecture so they could lie facing east. It was an ancient superstition that Langdon's Symbology 212 class in Harvard's Symbology Department, obviously, had discussed just last month. That's totally incongruous, a female student in the front had blurted when Langdon explained the reason for east-facing tombs. Why would Christians want their tombs to face to the rising sun? We're talking about Christianity, not sun worship. Langdon smiled pacing before the blackboard, chewing an apple.
0: I love that he's chewing a fucking apple in this scene. It's like, as if this could not get any more hack, have the professor smarmily munching on an apple.
1: Yeah, a thing you always do when you're teaching, by the way, as a fucking (laughs) professor at one point. You know what I didn't do in class? Eat a snack. You know, you'd bring some water. You wait an hour for your fucking lecture. Um, It's so dismissive to be eating while you're teaching. So he's eating the apple. Mr. Hitchrot, he shouted. First of all, hits rot, a name that sounds like it's got to be an anagram for something. Um, <laughs> a young man dozing in the back sat up with a start. What, me? Langdon pointed to a Renaissance art poster on the wall. Who is that man kneeling before God? Uh, anyway, this goes on. But this is a, a version of college that doesn't exist if it ever did. Um, mm-hmm. Also, this girl in the front who is religious at some point. Okay, let me cut a few, uh, next page. Conquering religions, he continued, often adopt existing holidays to make conversation less shocking. It's called transmutation, a word that, by the way, Dan Brown italicizes in the text. It helps people acclimatize, acclimatize, acclimatize to the new faith. Worshippers keep the same holy dates, pray in the same sacred locations, use a similar symbology, and they substitute and they simply substitute a different god. Now the girl in the front looked furious. You're implying Christianity is just some kind of repackaged sun worship. So he has this stupid straw man figure. <laughs> Who of course book. has to be a woman. Has to be a woman. And he's pissing her off and he's like, Langdon's pretty excited that he's really sticking it to this <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's sticking it to her while he smarmily eats his apple superiorly.
1: Yeah. And then this idiot says, pits <laughs> rot. I know something Christian that's original. How about our image of God? Christian art never portrays God as the Hawk Sun God or as an Aztec or as anything weird. It always shows God as an old man with a white beard. So our image of God is original, right? No one's going to look. I'm not saying Harvard students are all geniuses because they ain't. Uh, but neither are any students. And this is just, it's just so lazy and stupid.
0: It's a thing that becomes really apparent with his writing where he writes the smart thing that he wants to say and then will bend him, like twist himself into knots backward, like writing yes. the conversation backwards and forcing everyone in the scene to be a total fucking idiot so he yes. can shove in his smart sentence that he wants to say yes. that makes Robert and him by proxy look so, 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 so yeah. smart. Maybe do you have thoughts Perhaps some thoughts
1: on the blatant <laughs> fucking racism in this book. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, I, I don't know what else there is to say about it, except it's, as far as we it's can cartoonish. tell— It's cartoonish. It's it's cartoonish. Now, I will say— Wait, sorry, you didn't, you didn't even get to the worst part of that Symbology 212 scene. Yeah, uh, which is what? The Aztecs. Oh, yeah, sorry, right, of course. Uh, I skipped over this, but at some point he says, the practice of God-eating, that is Holy Communion, was borrowed from the Aztecs. Now, I had to look up when exactly the Aztecs were around. I knew I was like, wait, that's like, I don't know, 12, 1300 or something. It's like 1300, which is, by the way, now here's a little little, uh, (laughs) rule of thumb that you can use to talk about Christianity and when the Aztecs were in relation to Christianity, that number 1,300, that's not just a random number. That generally refers to the number of years after the start of Christianity that something happened. And to say that the communion was borrowed from the Aztecs, a society that didn't exist until like a 1,000 fucking years after the beginnings of Christianity, is, is so insane and How that could get past anybody, anybody, is totally beyond me. I do not understand. Because he
0: means it is like a gotcha of like, bet you didn't know this one. Well, yeah, nobody knew it because it's made up. It's made up. Robert Langdon should be fucking fired.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? I don't think he's on the payroll because he doesn't have a Ph.D. He's Mr. Langdon. And th- this is definitely a guy, by the way, who would absolutely correct everybody if he had a better title. So if he was doctor or professor Langdon, why he's not professor Langdon is absolutely, if he teaches a college class so in the US, he's a professor. Why he's not constantly asking people to call him professor Langdon is nuts.
0: Because he's insufferable. Yeah, Everyone he, that's calls what him, I mean. literally, literally, as one of the cardinals is dying, one of them is like, this is hell. The other one is literally actively drowning after being branded, and is just yeah. like, "Huh, that guy has kind eyes."
1: Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, he's surrounded <laughs> in chains at the bottom of, uh, of of the fountain or whatever, and he looks at Robert Langdon, who's trying to save him, and is like, "This guy gets it."
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, but and then he dies
1: peacefully. He dies. He drowns. He dies peacefully. Dan Brown goes out of his way to say that guy dies peacefully. Um, and, and, look, and we're an hour like and a half everyone, in. it feels like we've been doing this for five minutes. I could do this all night.
0: <laughs> I know, me too. Do we make this a two parter?
1: I think we might.
0: We can milk two episodes out of this. We just slap it in half. The first one is I Could Be Your Angle, and the second one is called Orthopedic. Yeah, could okay, be great. We're gonna, we're, let,
1: let, let's, let's do that. Why don't we end part one here?
0: It'll be a cliffhanger like every chapter of Angels and Demons.
1: Yeah. Slowly, he turned on the light a pair of dark eyes looked back at him. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> All right. We're going to stop here. Uh, what's popping for me this week is everything but this book. Yeah. What's, what's popping is every blood vessel in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll come back next week for part two. Bye-bye. Bye. Late Night is produced by Brian Wett, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at Night at gmail.com.